Hello, friends, and welcome to Into the Word, a radio and online program committed to reading, loving, and living the whole counsel of God. I'm your host and Bible guide, Pastor Paul Carter. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. If you have your Bible with you, I'd love for you to open it now to Exodus chapter 18. Many scholars believe that this story is actually presented to us at this point in the narrative for reasons other than strict chronology. Meaning, in terms of the actual narrative timeline, it seems as though this reunion between Moses and his family took place after the people had arrived at Mount Sinai proper and after the giving of the law. In the story, we will hear about people lining up to get an application of the law from Moses with respect to their particular situation, and that does seem to imply that the law had already been given. Now, in general, Jewish scholars are much more comfortable with the idea of dyschronology than Western scholars and Western Bible readers, for that matter. But we probably have to wrap our heads around the fact that Eastern storytelling techniques and literary conventions are just as legitimate as Western conventions and techniques. So different isn't necessarily worse, and different definitely shouldn't be equated with liberal or unfaithful. It does seem as though the story in chapter 18 took place after the events of chapter 20, but that doesn't mean that this is an error or a mistake. And it doesn't demonstrate a lack of courage or faith to explore whether or not there might be a good reason for Moses to have told this story here. And there does seem to be a good reason. In chapter 17, Moses narrated how the Lord gave the Israelites victory over the Amalekites. Well, of course, the Midianites are closely related to the Amalekites, and so it seems reasonable that Moses wanted to say that while God's judgment had fallen on the Amalekites, there was evidence of his mercy beginning to fall on the Midianites, particularly on the Kenite clan of the Midianites, as represented by the conversion of Jethro. In the Bible, judgment and salvation are often presented as two sides of the same coin. And that seems to be the reason why the strict chronology of the story has been disrupted at this point. So this is something of a sidebar, but it is a glorious sidebar. Thanks be to God. We'll begin reading the story at verse 1. Hear now the word of the Lord. Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel his people, how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. Now Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, had taken Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her home, along with her two sons. The name of the one was Gershom, for he said, I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. And the name of the other, Eliezer, for he said, The God of my father was my help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. So we assume here that at some point Moses had sent his wife and children back to Midian and back into Jethro's care during his encounter with Pharaoh. We know that he initially brought them from Midian to Egypt because the Bible tells us that in Exodus 4.20. It says, So Moses took his wife and his sons and had them ride on a donkey and went back to the land of Egypt. Closed quote. Now, many commentators assume that they only traveled with him as far as the border of Egypt, and then at that point, knowing the dangers that lay ahead, he very wisely sent them home. 
and arranged with Jethro to have him bring them back to him once they had arrived at Sinai. All of that seems perfectly logical. And of course, it is a reminder that there is a lot more going on than is told to us. Any writer understands that difficult selections have to be made when putting a story together, and an awful lot of good material gets left on the cutting room floor. The book of Exodus is not a biography of Moses. It is a story of how God works to save and sanctify his people. In fact, we probably wouldn't have even heard of this detail in the story if it had not been connected to the narrative of Jethro's salvation. Moses is very sparing when it comes to personal details. We pick up the story at verse 5. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife to Moses in the wilderness where he was encamped at the mountain of God. And when he sent word to Moses, I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and her two sons with her, Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and bowed down and kissed him. And they asked each other of their welfare and went into the tent. Then Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, all the hardship that had come upon them in the way, and how the Lord had delivered them. And Jethro rejoiced for all the good that the Lord had done to Israel, in that he had delivered them out of the hand of the Egyptians. Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh and has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods because in this affair they dealt arrogantly with the people. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and sacrifices to God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. Now, this is generally understood as an important conversion story. That's why it is here. Jethro was the high priest of Midian. Thus, conversion to the worship of Yahweh is a matter of some note. Douglas Stewart says here, commenting on Jethro's speech in verses 10 to 11, an advocate of whatever faith the Midianites espoused, he reversed course and became a Yahwist upon seeing the entire nation of Israel free from the bondage of Egypt and brought safe by Moses to Sinai, just as Moses had earlier told him Yahweh had predicted. The recent deliverance from the Amalekites must have had a powerful influence on Jethro's thinking as well, since he would have been fully familiar with their fighting abilities. The stories of the plagues and the Red Sea deliverance would also have surely impressed him. Closed quote. That is a very useful description of what is going on here. Jethro has seen and heard of the saving work of God, and he has now, through faith and confession, united himself with this redeeming God. That's a pretty decent description of how people get saved, how a person converts Old Testament and New in the New Testament, obviously, we're responding to a different work of redemption, but the process is essentially the same. Jethro heard, Jethro believed, and Jethro was saved, thanks be to God. We pick up the story at verse 13. The next day, Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood around Moses from morning till evening. 
When Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, What is this that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you from morning till evening? And Moses said to his father-in-law, Because the people come to me to inquire of God. And when they have a dispute, they come to me and I decide between one person and another. And I make them know the statutes of God and his laws. Moses' father-in-law said to him, What you are doing is not good. You and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out, for the thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone. Now, obey my voice. I will give you advice, and God be with you. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God, and you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. Moreover, Look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe, and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens, and let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you, but any small matter they shall decide themselves. So it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this, God will direct you. You will be able to endure, and all this people also will go to their place in peace. So the situation here seems to be that people were coming to Moses to have their disputes adjudicated. Moses was the lawgiver, and Moses was the prophet, and so everybody wanted to speak to Moses. But because Moses was just one man, the process was predictably bogging down. That wasn't good. That wasn't just. As William Gladstone famously said, justice delayed is justice denied. So this was not a good situation for the people, and it was not a good situation for Moses. He was an 80-year-old man, and he was going to burn himself out, as Jethro himself knew very well. Jethro had far more experience as the leader of a large group of people than did Moses. So he gave some advice, and Moses was humble enough to take it. And what resulted was really one of the most significant developments in human history, literally. Nahum Sarna says here, It seems that Moses bypasses the existing power structure. The elders, who usually exercise judicial functions in a tribal patriarchal society, are, surprisingly, not mentioned. In fact, the tribal divisions are wholly ignored in the appointments to this new judiciary. The restructuring creates a centralized, supra-tribal system, closed quote. There was nothing quite like this in the ancient world, and it became the basis for our modern-day belief in an independent judiciary. That's what this is. Moses bypasses the tribal patriarchal structures. These judges are not the clan chiefs. They are independent of tribal loyalty and thus more likely to render just and fair decisions based on the law. Moses will continue to hear the most difficult cases. He will be the court of last appeal, what in many countries now is called the Supreme Court. But all lesser cases will be heard by independent justices in the lower courts. That is quite remarkable. And the fact that the idea came from a Midianite convert is part of the glory. The church has always been enriched by the fair and full inclusion of the nations. Thanks be to God. We pick up the story at verse 24. 
So Moses listened to the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he had said. Moses chose able men out of all Israel and made them heads over the people, chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. And they judged the people at all times, any hard case they brought to Moses, but any small matter they decided themselves. Then Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went away to his own country. J. Alec Machir provides a wonderful and succinct summary for this chapter. He says, Two principles emerge from this. The salvation of Israel is the salvation of the world, and the experiences of the redeemed are a testimony to the world. That is true. That is (laughs) glorious, and that is encouraging. Thanks be to God. And thank you for listening to Into the Word. If you're interested in additional resources or previous episodes and series, you can find all those over the website at www.intotheword.ca. You can also connect with us on Facebook. I hope that you do. We have a growing community of Bible readers over there. We post daily encouragements, some user reflections, and also some conversation starters. It would be great to see you there. And I hope to see you again real soon, right here, for another episode of Into the Word.